Hello and welcome to the Moonshots Podcast. It's episode 248. I'm your co-host, Mike Parsons, and as always, I'm joined by Mr. Mark Pearson-Freeland. Good morning, Mark. Hey, good morning, Mike. Good morning, listeners, viewers, as well as subscribers. Once again, we are bringing you an action-packed episode today, number 248 on the Moonshots Podcast. Mark, you might say it's super packed. Oh, you're going to bowl me over with these jokes. Because (laughs) listeners and subscribers, we are digging into one of the all-time greats. I suppose you could say, Mike, one of the up-and-coming MVPs of all time in the NFL, Mr. Brock Purdy, who will be taking the 49ers to the Super Bowl this coming weekend, which I know, Mike, you particularly are quite excited about. Yes, I will try and uh, behave on this uh, podcast and not get overly excited, (laughs) be objective and do the analysis as we always do with the superstars. But let's go Niners! Now, (laughs) I think we have to set the context here. We have chosen to interrupt our normal programming and bring one of the most special sports and uh, life stories, I think, that are on offer right now because in Brock Purdy, we have somebody who has been the quarterback and done very well this season in the NFL, in the US of A. He's taken his team to the Super Bowl. But here's the real kicker, Mark. For all of our non-NFL loving listeners, he was the last in the draft. He has had an amazing season last season, almost got to the Super Bowl last season, got injured, recovered himself. He's back. He's going to the Super Bowl. He was, because he was last in the draft, I mean, it's like there's over 250 other guys were drafted before him. They nicknamed him Mr. Irrelevant. And this guy has led the league in many statistics for quarterbacks this year, and he's going to the Super Bowl. He is the ultimate underdog. So if you want just a little bit of nudge, a little bit of a bump to get out there and go for it, even if you are the underdog, This is a story that our listeners, viewers, and members deserve to hear, Mark. Oh, I couldn't agree more, Mike. We're going to dive in and see similarities, aren't we, between Brock, who again is this magnificent guy on the field, crossing over, I think, with lessons that we've learned around entrepreneurs, around mindset. I think you and I were going to run into these ideas of resilience. I think, Mike, we've got an action-packed show for our listeners and subscribers, don't we? We absolutely do. So where do we start the journey of understanding how empowering it can be to be Mr. Irrelevant? Mm. Well, absolutely. I think, Mike, for those of us who aren't based in the US of A and those of us who maybe are taking a break from that regular programming of diving into superstars, maybe in the boardroom or well-known authors, let's start with a bit of an introduction, Mike, into Brock Purdy, into his experience with the San Francisco 49ers as well as his road towards the Super Bowl. Brock Purdy was warming up. It looks like he's saying here that he can't can't throw, he can't do it. Losing their third and fourth string quarterbacks today. A year of hard work and a great season. Just unfair. Brock Purdy has a great chance to help the 49ers avenge last year's heartbreaking finish. Blitz is coming. Purdy has it blocked. Touchdown, San Francisco! Purdy's ability to just move off his spot, 
Give a little more time for Kittle to get down the field and delivers a perfect ball. Brock Purdy is making me a believer. Guy just goes to work methodically. The results speak for themselves. He came through and his team needed it the most. When it comes down to it, when the season's on the line, like you gotta, you gotta make it happen for your boys around you. The Niners showing that there's levels to this stuff. They get the job done. They take the Green Bay Packers' best shot. Here's Purdy looking. Caught! Ayuk! Touchdown! I'll tell you what. This is, about as, this is the best play they've made all day. It's a big-time drive there by San Francisco. 17-point comeback complete. And there it is. The 49ers are going to the Super Bowl. Unfinished business for San Francisco. He makes plays that remind you of Patrick Mahomes, his Super Bowl adversary. And if you think that sounds silly, stop. He is quarterbacking this team to a Super Bowl. Incredible turnaround. I cannot wait to see what's next. So there you have it. It is total underdog story. It's total inspiration, I think. And there is actually so much that we can learn from this. And I think what they set up in that uh, short clip was the road, even in the last two games, has been super bumpy. It's hardly been like perfection and an easy walk to the Super Bowl. What actually happened in the most recent game, Mark, and there's so much in this for us to learn about focus, is they were behind 17 points at halftime and they won on the last drive of the last quarter of the game to beat an amazing team in the Green Bay Packers and they didn't lose their cool. Brock Purdy needed the perfect drive to go from one end to the other of the field. There were going to be no more second chances because they were down and they got the job done. And again, Mm. this is not Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady. This is the guy who was the last in the draft. He did it. And this Mm. is all about this story of it doesn't matter if you're the last in the draft. It doesn't matter if you're the underdog. It doesn't matter what adversity is in front of you because a massive moonshots lesson that we've discovered together, Mark, is if you stay the course, if you're focused and if you're ready and don't give in to the fear, get all Goggins-esque about it, right? Get Yako Willink about it. Get Carol Dweck, growth mindset. Get Angela Duckworth, grit. Learn from these superstars and you too can be Brock Purdy. He's literally taken the Moonshots mindset and applied it for the last two seasons. The lesson, the evidence is right in front of us. Okay. I promise you I'm going to be objective. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, but but you're totally right. And I think where you're coming at this is from an objective uh, position here. Because you're right, there are so many similarities and crossovers with all of those authors, all of those individuals that you just mentioned, because they all did something quite similar. Obviously, we don't have necessarily David Goggins or Angela Duckworth in the same position physically or you know strategically as Brock Purdy. But what you see them each delivering is this ability to continually go 
at it, to not get put off and let ego get in the way, yeah. to not let injury suddenly be the reason to quit, much like David Goggins. And again, this is a slightly different situation. But with David Goggins, we heard from him saying, oh, I became quite well known. I wrote my book and I realized I started taking my foot off the gas and I started relaxing. But instead, he realized, oh, no, I, I don't want to do that. I need to stay focused. I need to keep on pushing myself. Right. And I think that's exactly what I can see that Purdy has done. He's come out, as we're going to hear in the rest of the show, from a position of being that underdog, being Mr. Irrelevant, yeah. but still never allowing that to hold him back, never allowing it to keep him you know, tethered to a foundation. And instead, he just kept on going, kept on climbing. Yes. And here we are. Yeah. And, you know, there is really a connection. Like, let's look at uh, Grit by Angela Duckworth. She did this massive study of the uh, candidates at the military school called West Point in the US. And she statistically found, after going through thousands of students and studying them, that it was those that were resilient and determined did way better than those who were most talented. Look at uh, Goggins. So I'm going to draw a line between Angela, Goggins, and Brock for you. David will tell you, David Goggins says, I am not the best runner, but I run ultra marathons. He says, I, he literally, just in his podcast he did with Andrew Huberman recently, he said, I'm not the smartest guy, so I have to read everything five times and write it down five times to remember it but he keeps on doing it, which is why he is the only man on the planet to qualify for all three special forces in the US. He's written two New York Times bestsellers and he's run a ton of ultra marathons because he stayed focused, because he didn't give up. And that's exactly what Brock did. Brock didn't go to the best college. Brock wasn't the number one draft, but yet he's going to the Super Bowl mark. Whew. Get your popcorn, get your hot dogs ready. This weekend, it is all happening. We can learn from Brock Purdy because he's yeah. not only resilient, he's doing it for the team. And I think we should hold out our arms and give our team, our members, a big tip of the hat. Mm. I think we need your famous trumpets, Mark. Yeah, that's right. Maybe I should have brought one of those, you know, big the fingers and, and, you know, I should be wearing my 49ers helmet for this, Mike, just to, you know, really appease you as well as our members of whom, of course, we are in eternal thanks and uh, out of this world belief that you guys are really the best. So please, without me uh, delaying any further, please welcome in Bob, Ken, Dietmar, Marjan, Connor, Rodrigo, Lisa and Sid. Paul, Berg, Cowman, Joe, Christian, Samuela, Barbara, and Andre, Chris, Deborah, Lasse, and Steve, Craig, Daniel, Andrew, Ravi, Evert, Karen, Raul, Nicolara, Ingram, Dirk, Harry, and Venkata, Marco, Jet, Roger, and Steph. All of you guys are annual members and beyond. So thank you so much for your ongoing, continual, never-ending support. But also hot on those heels, Raw, Nimelen, James and Diana, Wade, Christoph, Denise and Laura, Smitty, Corey, Gayla, Bertram, Daniela, Mike, Dan, Antonio, Zachary, Austin, Fred and Lorenz, Ola, Andy, as well as Diana, who's our brand new uh, recent member. Thank you so much, Diana, for joining us again. All of you guys are receiving never-ending lunar-powered good vibes and moonshots. Love, aren't they, Mike? Yeah, they're getting a 
bucket loads. They're getting stadium loads, Super Bowl loads of good karma. And they're also enjoying the Moonshots Master Series, a separate podcast just for our members. So if you'd like to get hold of that, hit moonshots.io, hit the members button, get involved, send us your thoughts. Um, You even get to come and have breakfast with us in Sydney, Australia, if you're in town. So that, I promise you, is happening this Friday with Lasse. So (laughs) now let's turn our mind to getting some serious work done. And this is really getting into this idea of being an underdog. And it's crazy, Mark, to think that in the end, even though you're in the top 250-odd players in America in the draft, they call you Mr. Irrelevant. And I would love for us to dig into that because we like a good underdog story, don't we? Yeah, you, actually, you're totally right, Mike. We do. It's one of the things that really stood out as we were pulling together this story and why I think Brock has captured so many people around the world is because of this unusual uh, underdog story. So let's hear a breakdown on Brock, where he started, and let's understand Mr. Irrelevance rise into fame. I think it is in the span of 21 months, Brock Purdy has gone from being a guy who the 49ers almost didn't pick. And you know what? He would not be on the 49ers if they didn't pick him. Right. Somebody else would have got him. Yes, right. because he has told yeah. Kyle Shanahan, right. I was not coming here in free agency. Yeah. So it's a good thing you picked me. Definitely. But it's that... In the span of 21 months, he has done the following. He's taken his team to the conference championship game after coming off the bench cold against Miami and then winning his last whatever until the championship game, his next seven starts, whatever it was, six starts. Then he ruins his elbow. Yep. Has elbow surgery six months to the day from opening day. Right in 2023 comes back is not perfect when he comes back but plays well enough and he plays well enough during the season has some hiccups has a bad game against Baltimore and now he's won a championship game and he's in the Super Bowl this is the last pick in the draft the last pick the 32nd compensatory pick in 2022 the, the 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 lowest of the low, you know, as I call it, the dollar store complimentary pick, uh, co- uh, com- compensatory pick, is Brock Purdy. Yeah, and here he is. Yeah, and now he's playing the great Mahomes. Right. If somehow, some way, they win this game. Yeah, it's one of the best sports stories ever. It's Warner esque. Right. It's Warner esque. Right. It's Brady-esque, too. I mean, when you think about it, how Brady, even though the circumstances were different, the injury that opened the door for him was in year two, not year one. And Brady didn't get a chance to play at all until that second year. He took the team with lesser overall obvious ability at that stage of his career than Purdy currently has. Let's hear from Brock Purdy from opening night on the importance of playing in Super Bowl 58. The bottom line is like life isn't about you like that's what I believe you know um, being a part of something bigger than yourself um, you know you get wrapped up in getting all the glory and the fame and the status it's I feel like that's a shallow life and um, that, that can you know fade away pretty quickly so for me it's you know obviously yeah we're playing the Super Bowl I'm very honored and thankful I want to win a championship for this organization but more than anything I'm you know trying to just serve my guys on this team well and, and love on them well and 
the whole organization and everyone in my life. That's that's how I view it. It's one of the benefits of being drafted so low. You know, the mindset Tom Brady always had. He was always trying to prove himself, right. prove himself to Bill Belichick. Never wanted Bill Belichick to wake up one day and run the numbers under the salary cap and say, time to move on from this guy. And I think Purdy's going to have that ingrained in him because of the fact that he was the last guy taken in the draft. Think about it. By then, he's already got an idea of where he's going to sign as a free agent. He had yes. talked earlier this year about signing with the Vikings. Right. You already have those plans made, even though they're not supposed to be calling the play. They do. And he, he had an idea. He's going here. He's going here. He's going here. Nope, he got drafted. Last guy taken. Last guy told, you'll not go where you want to go. You'll go where they tell you to go. And then look at what's happened. Mark, to me, this story is so instructive of how we can operate with our challenges. Do you notice in the story that we just heard, at every point, it's like Zaha Hadid, who's one of my favorite architects. She always talked about every challenge, every problem made her stronger. It was like she had like this body armor on and it got stronger, more robust every time she faced a challenge. It's like Purdy, every challenge, no problem. It fueled him, but also it fueled him in service of the people around him. He felt an obligation to take care of his team and the organization. Mm -hmm. And I think that we all too many times in life face a moment where we're like, oh, this is bad news, right? Mm -hmm. And what do we do as a self-defense mechanism? We're like, you know, maybe I don't really want to play football anyway. Or maybe I don't really want to buy that house or go for that job because they didn't like me and, uh, you know. Uh-uh. He went total David Goggins here. He went total Carol Dweck here. I'm not giving up. I'm going to use these as opportunities to grow. And the key thing here is that what he is doing is like Tom Brady. By everyone's measure, the greatest of all time. He is already doing, repeating his scale of success this early in his career. And he wasn't the first. So much in this idea of letting the challenges fuel you, getting comfortable, as Joe Rogan would say, get comfortable with the discomfort. And Yoko Willink, Mark, when, when there's a problem, he says, good, good, let's get in there. Problems, good. <laughs> What comes to your mind as you see these themes coming out and seeing the connection between all these superstars outside and inside of football, there is something so strong with this persistence. Yeah, I mean, there's so much here, isn't there? There's so much in that clip and there's so much in this underdog story around Brock that we can we can dig into. Already, as you've pointed out, there's crossovers with Goggins, crossovers with Duckworth and Grit. I love this idea of the ownership that Brock is quite open about, yeah. you know, the idea of just turning up, doing his best, but also doing it for the team. I think that's a big differentiator, particularly when it comes from an individual who's been in a situation that maybe wasn't ideal for them. Yeah. You know, for example, any normal individual, maybe even myself, if I was picked last, I might feel a little bit of bitterness. Yeah. I might feel a little bit of, uh, you know what, doesn't matter. I'm, I'm going to work hard, but and I'm going to work 
but maybe not, you know, be the best I can be because at the end of the day, they didn't believe in me. That's the exact opposite, I think, of what we're hearing from Brock there. Yes. And what we're hearing about Brock in the show instead. He's coming from a point of view where ego doesn't really exist. It is a point where, sure, he's come from literally ground zero, the foundation, the Mr. Irrelevant space and the status. And instead, now they're talking about him being one of the greatest players, possibly creating the sportsman's story of all time. Yes. He has been through behavior and attitude and delivering on a kind of production element that he can be great and that anybody can do it as long as they apply themselves. Yes. So the things that are really standing out to me, Mike, is the fact that you don't need to be the best. Instead, what you need to do is cultivate a, a drive to continually work on yourself, continue to put that kind of ego, that monkey mind, that sort of bitterness or negativity to one side and not let it be a distraction. I think there'll be a lot of players, if we were to look into the NFL, all the individuals who were maybe chosen as inverted commas, Mr. Irrelevant, there's probably a, a vast majority of individuals that maybe we don't hear about anymore, maybe people that dropped out. You're absolutely early. right. You're absolutely right. In fact, a lot of uh, last picks in the draft, um, most statistically, I think it is that most of them are gone within one to mm. two seasons, right? But, yeah. you know, like I think the real moment we could focus on is what happens when you hear you're the last in the draft? What happens when you get that bad news about, applying for the job or whatever, you know, moments where you're really judged, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's so tempting to do the classic thing. Let's blame the referee. Let's give up on, on the game entirely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not good enough. Uh, I wanted to do this, but maybe it's not right for me. I've let everyone down. Much worse, Mark, is, I mean, that would be quite humble, what you're saying. I think a lot of people, like, check out the rise of people getting super contestable and aggressive with referees in professional sport, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, you just need to look at how they carry on in uh, European uh, football. Like, you think those poor refs are about to cop it from the players, right? Yeah. My point is this, like, it's very easy if you feel that sense of judgment is upon you, a way of rejecting it is say, well, the person that judged me, like if I was Brock Purdy, I'd say, well, the people that judged me the last pick, they don't know what they're talking about. I mm-hmm. I will say their crap, not me, right? That's where you start yeah. blaming and projecting your feelings onto them. And then, for example, something I've done when I faced great sporting challenge is I just quit. Just walked away. Yeah. Never yeah. played again. Well, right. Yeah, it's it's that fight or flight response, isn't it? Yes. You know, we've heard about that and we've delved into it on the show before. And I think where Pro- where Brock's gone is really into that fight space. And I don't mean fight from an aggression, push everyone away perspective, but more so I'm gonna work on myself. I'm gonna do the best that I can for yes. the team, for those around me. He's really adopted that mindset, hasn't he? He of has just keeping on going. And that's exactly what Oprah did when she was fired for not being mm. good for television. When Walt yeah. Disney got fired for not having a good imagination. Uh, what else? Steve Jobs got fired from his own company. Yeah. Like, imagine yeah. if they didn't uh, embody some of that persistence. We wouldn't have, like, think about what we wouldn't have from those 
three individuals. Mm. Well, and I, I think you're right. And the, the build I can do or try and do there is we've learned a lot from entrepreneurs, from product entrepreneurs, I mean, such as Einstein, James Dyson, who again demonstrated that level of persistence when building their products and unraveling their scientific discoveries. You know, the, the great Einstein quote that we've revisited a couple of times is, it is not the fact that I was any smarter or better. It's the fact that I just did it more and more. That persistence to keep on going and not be held back is, I think, the secret to a lot of the success stories that we hear, Mike, isn't it? It's the willingness to apply yourself to go that extra mile because, to be honest, not everybody does. A lot of us will st step back at a certain point and say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with where I am. Yes. You know, I could have gone further, but maybe it was somebody else's fault, not mine. <laughs> and I think like the big takeaway here is if you see in yourself something at work or something in the gym when it's not going and it's hurting and you feel like giving up, what you, what you really need to know is in Brock Purdy's story is that staying the course got him to the Super Bowl. What you need to know is even David Goggins struggles to go for a run but he finds a way of pushing through. It's not that Brock doesn't feel challenge. It's not that David Goggins doesn't feel it. They feel exactly the same feelings and challenge that we all do. They've just learned to cope with that discomfort. Mm -hmm. And what's on the other side of that is going to the Super Bowl. It's such a powerful lesson. And if you're interested in, you know, getting to the Super Bowl, whatever that might be in your life. We've done a show on Bill Belichick, a lot of Super Bowls there, Tom Brady, a lot of Super Bowls there. Mark, if there was a destination on the internet that you could go to to get mm. that backlog of insights, where might that be? Yeah, it's, it's probably got as much data as maybe the NFL, Mike, and that destination is www.moonshots.io. You can pop along and find all 248 episodes of the Moonshots podcast, as well as transcripts, learning techniques, as well as archived footy, uh, archived uh, reading lists and so on, as well as getting in touch with us and even, Mike, becoming a member of the Master Series. That's so good. But let's come back to the job at hand cultivate my mindset of resilience mm. and persistence. Where do we go next on this Brock Purdy adventure? Yeah, well, I think we've we've wet our appetite, Mike, with this idea of the underdog story. We're starting to now understand, you know, the kind of character around Brock Purdy. So let's lean into him a little bit more. I want to understand a little bit about how Brock Purdy really cultivates that resilience to keep on going in tough times. So let's hear him chat with Steve Young about how he deals with the craziness playing in front of millions. Most human beings, Brock, when uh, things get more tense, the adrenaline runs, uh, things speed up, your mind shallows, you know what I mean? You know, yeah. And it kind of gets overwhelming. And from an outsider's perspective, it feels like your DNA, it doesn't work that way. It's from outsider now, it feels like now it bigger the moment, the more calm you get in a weird way. Yeah. Is that... What explain that? Because other humans are like, well, how does that happen? Yeah, um, I mean, there's been situations in my life playing the game where you know, just growing up, high school, college, where the moment has been pretty big for me. Um, and then I had watched the film after, and I'm like, man, 
if I'm just watching this film and I take away all the emotion of how I was feeling right then and there in that moment, like I just got to do this or I have to do that and I have to go through this read. And so I feel like sort of going back to those experiences, I'm reminded of that in the moment. And it's like, there's, I'm in a big environment right now. There's a lot of people going crazy and stuff. Um, we feel a certain way because of the score, the situation, but I know that after this game, when I turn on the film and it's just me in a quiet room, like all I have to do is drop back, look off this defender and hit my guy right, right over the middle or whatever the play is. And, and so I sort of remind myself of that. Like I'm playing 11 on 11 football. Um, you know, if I do fail here, I'm going to learn from it. And so it sort of takes out that factor of fearing to fail, you know? So, um, I don't know. Those are. It's like you simplify it. It's yeah. like you make it simple. Like I got to play. Yep. I'm going to run it. And then I'm just thinking about me now watching the film of it. And did I just do what I was supposed to do? Yeah. And that's hard for people to kind of be able to isolate that. Have you, is that just something that just happens to you? You, you experience enough to say, cause I, I, I got to be honest with you. Most people can't, you can say, Hey, just keep it simple. Mm-hmm. They can't do that. But you can. And it feels like there's something about your makeup that allows that. And have you thought much about that? Because it seems odd. Yeah. Um, man, I always feel like there's so more, you know, that I could be better at and stuff. So um, for me to sit back and think, oh, man, I'm doing this right or this right. Like, I always feel like there's more. And so I don't know if I necessarily have taken a step back and thought about it. But um, that's what comes to mind when you ask me just in terms of keeping things simple. I just go back to the film and I'm like, man, when I watch this film and everything's quiet, you know, it's not as bad as I thought it was in the moment, you know, um, in terms of going through my reads and hitting the, hitting the check down rather than forcing something or, or, um, you know, letting the moment be too big for me. Watch the film. I think we can go a Mm. bit deeper on this one. Like how do you collect yourself? How do you remain objective and keep things simple. I think the lesson that he's talking about is really clear. I guess the question mark is, how do we apply this? Like, what do you do when you want to like take some stock and mm-hmm. get yourself uh, simplify the challenge that you face in life, at work, whatever? How do you do that? What's your go-to practices for collecting yourself? Well, I think I think there's a couple of different phases to it. So I'll, I'll, I'll pitch you a couple of approaches here, Mike. And actually, it was interesting hearing Brock speak again then because it sounds quite familiar to some of the territories that you and I have uncovered on the show before as well. So first off the bat, when I'm going into something new, something that maybe I'm particularly anxious about, maybe it's an important conversation, maybe it's an important presentation, maybe it's something else, or maybe it's a high-pressure situation of some kind, I'll try and prepare as much as I can physically as well as mentally prior to that event. So very similar, I think, to where Brock's talking through uh, with Steve Young there, this idea of imagining and watching the videos, but also kind of preempting what might happen later. This idea of preparation we heard about with Michael, Michael Jordan, for example, this idea of continually improving yourself on the court, on the field. For me, I'm trying to always think, What can I prepare for in this given conversation, let's say, that I'm about to have? What are the type of questions that might be asked? Um, What are the type of things that might go wrong? For example, you know, physically, is the electricity going to go out? Or, you know, emotionally, is somebody going to get quite uncomfortable? So trying to really prepare myself for going into those moments. Uh, 
I think is a little bit of a similar situation with what we hear from Brock there. Then if I very quickly jump to the kind of post-event piece, you know, I've just won the Super Bowl, Mike. Good news. You and I can go out for breakfast and coffee. What I would then do is I would most likely refer back to maybe my journal. You know, my journal being, and I know obviously our listeners and subscribers have, have heard us talk about journaling a lot. The value, I think, because no, I don't have a documentary crew following me. You know, there was a great, that great quote that we heard from Joe Rogan in the past, live your life as though a documentary crew is following you. I don't have one personally. So instead I have to rely on those around me as well as my journal to kind of help me stay grounded as well as be able to refer back to how I was feeling or reacting in a certain situation. So when I've got that high stress moment, high pressure um, situation taking place, the way that I'll kind of check myself will not only be in that preparation phase, but actually in the reflection afterwards so that I can try and maybe get better next time. Do either of those, you know, strike true with you? What are your what are your steps for this process? Yeah, like I, I think it, you're, you're right. There's all these layers to it, isn't there? Like the first thing is you, you've mm. got to like actually choose to continuously improve. And um, mm. sometimes we can get a bit lazy. I mean, God, if David Goggins can get lazy, we're all in trouble, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. But uh, I had this experience where um, earlier this week I was sending a brief to a film production team to shoot an event that uh, I'm doing in about three or four weeks. And I had a template that I've used for previous events. Rather than just sending that on its own, I just took five minutes and said to myself, okay, I'll try and look at this with fresh eyes and ask myself, can I make my template brief a bit better, right? And I made one or two tweaks, I think, that maybe made it a little bit better. But I think the real point here is if you are continuously asking, can I make things just a little bit better? We've talked a lot about the compound effect, um, both the book itself and the idea that if you are continuously trying to be a little bit better every day, even if it's just one tiny thing, over 360 plus days, that's going to add up. Over a lifetime, that's enormous. So I think there's the deliberate choice to self-improve, to never give up, as uh, as uh, Goggins would say. But I think the other thing that is really helping with stress and anxiety for Brock is the art of detachment and objectivity. Mm. Did you notice that, that what he basically says is just me, 11 guys, a football and making a play. It's not like it's not it doesn't have to be more than that because if in the game you're thinking we're in big trouble if I don't make this play, you're loading on a lot more emotion and we know that with the more emotion we experience, the less we are able to think critically. Yeah. yeah. And if you need to act in the moment forensically to make a pass or to make a proposal, it doesn't matter. If you're freaking out, just like when you see golfers that do one bad shot and then they fall apart, right? Because the mm. emotion of one bad shot just destroys them. Similarly, what you see on the opposite side of this is Brock is like being objective. It's just me, 11 guys, a ball. We're going to make a play. You can go into tough situations, well-prepared, and just go, 
It's a ball, 11 dudes, let's make a play. Whatever that is for you in your life, it's not like the job pitch of a lifetime. It's not the proposal for 10 million bucks. It's just another meeting Mm -hmm. with a group of humans. You've done the work. You can feel good to walk in that room and share what you know, right? That, that's as simple as it is, isn't it? Mm. You know, this idea of objectivity um, is is re. It reminds me of that clip we had, Mike, and I think it was Atul Gwandi off the top of my head who um, said that the brain is is like a is is a bad computer. That's right. You know, when you're overwhelming it, and the bandwidth's all taken up, you're not going to be able to make uh, critical decisions in the best way possible, and also you're not going to react in the way that's true to yourself. And I think that's totally true here as well. Imagine being brought, going into the Super Bowl with an attitude and a mindset of, oh, wow, everybody's relying on me. Oh, wow, I used to be Mr. Irrelevant and here I am. Suddenly that pressure would become insurmountable. What I think we're seeing in all of these clips, not only from the clips where Brocker feature, is featured himself, but also the other individuals who are speaking about him, is the fact that he's just so grounded. He's just very as you say, objective. Yeah. I'm just a guy playing football with my team, doing the best I can. That's all I can do. And that is, is in my experience, quite challenging to do, actually. It, is, it can be quite hard to, to step away and remove that kind of monkey mind from the situation, leave everything at the door. But it's amazing watching Brock in that interview with Steve just then because he is just so calm, collected, and grounded, isn't he? <laughs> It's like Steve's like, how come you're not more freaked out? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like somebody should take his pulse. <laughs> Is he okay? <laughs> Give the guy some coffee. Come on. Yeah, yeah exactly. No, yeah. I, so, so I think there's a lot here. This being objective, being well prepared. Just break it down mm. because if you, if you stew too much on what's at stake in life, mm. then the, the grandeur of the moment can overcome you. Oh my gosh, this is a presentation to the board. Oh my gosh. Rather than there's some humans, I've done the work, I'm going to share what I know, I'm prepared, I'll do my best. And when I've done my best, I'm happy with the outcome because I know I did my best. Like this is so, there's so much stoicism as well as growth mm. mindset in here. I mean, I mean, this just is a, an incredible story that layers over everything we discover on the Moonshots podcast. Mm. But, Mark, we ain't done yet. We got some more Super Bowl popcorn and hot dogs to go. <laughs> we do indeed. Maybe hot dogs for the Stoics is where, you know, Brock is, is particularly, his audience really, really are. So, Mike, as you say, we've got one more clip in today's episode 248 on Brock Purdy. But we're going to close the show with an absolute banger, which is Brock, who's going to help us understand this need to stay flexible, this need to be and stay fearless. And he's going to help us understand how to handle pressure with poise. Man, from day one, you know, I've come in and obviously I've tried to just prove to myself that, you know, I'm worthy of being here and all that kind of stuff, but also like show my teammates more than anything that, you know, I can play at this level and I can play with you guys. And so and I haven't changed and acted like somebody when I first got here. Like, I've always been myself, and I think they respect that. Um, and, you know, right when I got in against Miami and stuff, it was like, okay. Like, Jimmy was balling, you know, last year. He was doing a great job, and he goes down. And for me, it's like, all right, let's not skip a beat. Let's keep it going. Um, and when I got in, it's just, you know, be myself, have confidence, and, 
and let it rip. And once I showed them that, you know, I don't have that, that fear factor in myself of, you know, the fear of failure, I think they were like, okay, let's ride with this kid. And um, over time, we've all been able to be ourselves and, and flourish as football players. So I don't know, just be myself and continue to, to work. I feel like over time they respected that. And I earned Was there respect. a moment that you could tell that they were like, they're all in with you? Was it immediate? Was it, was there a time when you like, cause I, as a young player, you, those veterans, you, you, you know, like they're, they're big personalities and they're big, uh, in the locker room and you need them. And so you're really aware of the relationship that you have. Did there, a, is there a game? Is there a moment that you felt that kind of coalescing to like the support that you needed? Man. Um, I mean, there's a lot of little moments. Um, you know, the first couple touchdowns that we scored in Miami, you know, Trent's the first one there, you know, celebrating with me, like not even just like yeah. celebrating, but like, yeah, he was doing all the celebrations, but he was also telling me like, all right, like let's go back to the bench, stay humble. And we got to keep it going kind of thing. And so I was like, okay, like he's got my back, you know, that was Trent. And then over time there was plays and stuff made with Debo and Brandon and, and George. So there was all these little moments specifically with, with each of them, but you know, over time, man, to be able to, you know, just play ball with them and, and do it consistently. Like there's nothing better. And um, obviously this year we've, I think all been able to take it to another level um, and there's still more room for us to grow. So that's what I'm excited. About. Fear, feel, no fear. Can you see that he is saying, I refuse to indulge fear. I'm not going to let it get inside. I'm going to keep it super simple. I'm going to be well prepared. But he's like, you know, like Gandalf when he says, you shall not pass. <laughs> he's like, fear <laughs> yeah. shall not be felt. Like he is just yeah. resolute and saying, uh-uh, this ain't happening. I'm not going to feel scared. I'm not mm. going to indulge this feeling. I'm going to be prepared. I'm going to get on with it. And I'm going to play every game and every ball for what it is and not get distracted by the emotion. Mm. Yeah. Isn't that an amazing attribution that he's able to foster at such a young age? You know, I think, and maybe this is actually one of his advantages. When we hear about, you know, board leaders who maybe struggle to stay in that mindset, it's probably because of years of, of experience and, and, and so on. Instead, I think what we're noticing here with Brock is this purity, if we can call it that. Yeah. This idea of having no fear. You know, in two clips now, we've heard from him saying, I'm not afraid of failing because it's a great opportunity to learn. It's a great opportunity to come back stronger. And he, by the sounds of it, very much sees these challenges and these problems as just opportunities to grow, mm -hmm. which is, Mike, as you caught out right at the beginning of the show, bang on exactly where Angela Duckworth with grit was going. I'd also say actually that um, big magic is another element here, obviously more Elizabeth Gilbert, that is within the creativity space, but the fact and the lesson that I think calling out in that book was just because somebody else has done it doesn't mean that you can't, or just because somebody else hasn't done it doesn't mean that you can't. So I think there's a wonderful story here with Brock, who's actually demonstrating Nobody thought I could do it, but here I am going out and doing it. But the best thing is he's doing it quietly. He's yeah. not doing it uh, aggressively or showboating. It's just very casual almost. He's just cruising 
into the Super Bowl, it seems. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of a story of Jerry Rice, who was a receiver for 49ers when they last won the Super Bowl. And uh, it was like two days after the Super Bowl, people were in the locker room and back, you know, um, at the stadium. And out on the practice field, Jerry Rice was still practicing plays and they had just won the Super Bowl. But he's like, no, nah, still got things to work on, right? And I'm sure really? Brock is going to be doing similar things because yeah. he's like, hey, if I'm not learning, I'm not growing, and if I'm not growing, I'm shrinking. And this mm. is such a moonshot's mindset. We see it everywhere, and it is such a big opportunity for us. Like, you know what? Fear, no thanks. Hard work, yes, please. I think that yeah. is such a huge, huge takeout. Well, what, what I loved um, about Brock as we've dug into him today is also this idea of being humble. You know, we, we haven't discussed it a great deal, but I know we did talk about it uh, before the show. There's elements here that we've seen as kind of servant leadership theme, oh. you know, very open and focused on his team, very open and focused on being and staying humble. I think there's, again, a great crossover here between this idea of leadership in the boardroom crossing into a role that's on the pitch in a sports uh, perspective. Once again, Mike, I think we're starting to see just how closely a lot of the pressure and a lot of the lessons from the sports individuals that we've studied on the show really can cross over into an entrepreneurial um, business mindset. I think there's a lot of transferable skills there on there. Oh, there absolutely is. Ev, the big themes that we touched on, like focus, being fueled by hardship, um, staying objective, what's the one thing, if you could learn one thing from Brock and apply that next week, what would it be? It's a, it's a tough one. I think, actually, I, I want to say the, the humbleness, not because I believe I'm particularly um arrogant or, or ego-driven, but I think it's just a very good mantra and reminder, this idea of being humble. And what I mean by that is being humble with your team, but also being humble with the situation. Maybe yeah. it's gratitude for being where I am. Yeah, I think I think that's, for me, going to be the big thing, actually, because you can see from Brock's character and demeanor, he's just enjoying the ride by the yep. looks of it. What about you, Mike? What are the big, I mean, apart from obviously looking forward to this weekend and seeing Brock oh my on the God. screen, oh my what are you looking for over the next week? Oh, boy. I got to say, I think uh, for some reason, just how instantly he's trained himself to be fueled by the hardship. He's like, yeah. oh, man, I'm using that. Like, good. Okay, mm -hmm. so it's tough. So I'm last in the draft. Good. Okay, let's get on with things. Like, he's mm -hmm. not for a second in entertaining any sort of victimhood whatsoever. I love that. No. Yeah. And he was born in 1999, Mike. He's only 24 years old. So he's already <laughs> demonstrating that. I have a feeling maybe down the down the years, Mike, maybe we'll be doing episode two on Brock Purdy. Oh, boy. <laughs> this would make me very happy as a Niners fan. Well, Mark, <laughs> on such a positive thought, I want to thank you, and I want to thank our listeners, viewers, and members too. Here on show 248, where we studied the underdog, Brock Purdy, and his road to the Super Bowl. And that journey began with the art of focus, uh, keeping an eye on the prize. And whenever he's faced hardship, he's fueled by it. He could be Mr. Irrelevant, 
no problem whatsoever because he's objective, he's prepared, he's ready. And above all other things, he is not going to feel fear. He's going to handle the pressure with poise. And we too can do that together here on the Moonshots podcast. We can learn out loud how we can achieve our own Super Bowls. And if we do that, we're going to be the very best versions of ourselves. And that is what we are all about here on the Moonshots podcast. That's a wrap.